you're listening to what was the NASA in Silicon Valley podcast. So recently, the podcast has evolved into NASA in Silicon Valley Live, a conversational live video show where, as always, we talk to the various scientists, engineers, researchers, and all-around cool people at NASA. So for the original podcast, we had a new 30-minute episode once a week. For NASA in Silicon Valley Live, we'll have a new show every two weeks for an hour. And you can watch us live on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and Twitch. But if you want to participate in the live chat, we are using twitch.tv slash NASA. If you can't catch us live, that isn't a big deal. We'll have the on-demand video available online and rebroadcasted on NASA TV. As always, you can catch the audio version of the show on this very podcast feed. But today we have a bonus episode, aka an episode we recorded but just haven't released yet. Uh, We have a handful of these episodes that we're gonna release from time to time in between the live shows. For this bonus episode, a few months ago I sat down with Linda Jensen, an associate director for Workforce Culture and Engagement, along with Carrie Zarchi, the branch chief for Entry Systems and Vehicle Development, but she's also the acting branch chief for Aerothermodynamics. So Carrie and I are participants in a NASA leadership program that Linda helped design and put together. The program is called LASER, which is a fancy NASA acronym that stands for Leveraging Agency Supervisory Excellence and Resilience. The program includes about 25 experienced supervisors representing all of the NASA centers. We talk about the program, why it was created, and what NASA does as an agency to make it possible for all these smart people to be creative and do things that have never been done before. But before I spoil the whole episode, here is Linda Jensen and Carrie Zarchin. start the podcast off in the same way. And this is a slightly different episode, but we'll still jump in the same way anyways. Um, we want to find out, you know, how did you get to NASA? How did you end up in Silicon Valley? And I know Linda's going to just jump in head first. So I'm going to go ask Carrie first. <laughs> Scary. Like, I know we've, we've all chatted. We all know each other a little bit more, but for folks who are listening, like, how did you end up over here? Um, so I was lucky. I had a advisor in grad school who had connections at NASA, and um, I interviewed at a couple different places, one mm-hmm. being here and one was a defense company on the East Coast, and I kind of weighed those options and decided that NASA was um, <laughs> way cooler, and California was way cooler. Um, so I came here um, 12 years ago, okay. and I started as a contractor and then converted over to a civil servant, and I intend to be here until I retire. Were, were you local? Or are you from California, from this area? I'm from Michigan, and I did... It's a good state to be from. <laughs> <laughs> I did undergrad at Michigan Tech and then okay. uh, grad school at University of Minnesota. So I've been in the Midwest. I had been in the Midwest my whole life, and then coming here was a bit of a culture and sticker shock. <laughs> yes. But I've gotten used to that now over the We always say it's like like there's no seasons and I'm like, no, there's only the best seasons. <laughs> in it's California. true, yeah. And so what did you study in school? So in undergrad I was uh, mechanical engineering and uh, I then 
saw all of my classmates going off to work at car companies or creating little widgets for little things, and I decided that that was not uh, the path yeah. I wanted to go down. So I went into grad school, um, and I studied uh, computational fluid dynamics uh, with under aerospace engineering. Cool. And, and right now, you're working mainly with the ArcJet, right? I'm working in the division which houses the ArcJets. Okay. Our division is entry systems, and uh, we touch on everything from thermal protection systems to aerothermodynamics uh, and the facilities, the ArcJet yeah. facilities, which are simulating the environments, and then my branch, which is uh, systems engineering. It's caring about everything that, that gets into an atmosphere. Basically. Anything, yeah, anything in an atmosphere. Well, people tend down. to think of like Mars, but it's also Earth. It's re-entry to right. here, but it's also getting Sample to Mars. Sample return or Orion return or you know Venus, Titan, anything with an atmosphere. So I, I get a kick out of the Midwest connection because you're like Michigan to Minnesota to California. I was Michigan, but to Ohio, and then eventually to California, but. Linda, you also have a Midwest connection, right? No, sir. But you know how to play euchre. <laughs> I do know how to play euchre. It's like you can't play like, euchre without having a Midwest connection. I do. My <laughs> mother is from the Midwest, relocated okay. out here. But I am a California native, Okay. Um, as my father before me. So my dad was actually a prune rancher in um, this area. And oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, so it's very different now than it was. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, I mean, being from here, did you always want to go into NASA or was it just? Mm-hmm. So I um, I grew up here and I actually went to school here too at San Jose State. And um, about halfway through my couple of years there, I found out about co-op programs. And um, I got a call. Um, I put my application in to get a, an internship somewhere in the Valley and on a Saturday morning, I got a call from the person at NASA saying, come work for us. Back was um, way back when, uh, 1985. So I've been here a long time. I prefer to talk about that as I started in kindergarten, but now my story's uh, out. I was going to say, was you must have started at about like five years old. Exactly. Okay, I, I was very young. <laughs> I was a prodigy. <laughs> very ambitious. Yes, I was. <laughs> and so what are you working on now? What, what, you know, mm-hmm. What's kind of your area of expertise? Um, well, I... Um, I love uh, development. So I've been in, um, I don't do the real work like Carrie does. Carrie does real work. I do, uh, I get to work with all the people who do real work. So I uh, have been in development and leadership development, organization development, um, and I love it. So I uh, I don't even know if that I would call myself an expert as much as someone just has a huge passion for helping the people yeah. in this agency and leaders in this agency do what they need to do to um help our missions through some really good leadership. And it's like the coolest job, and I'm so lucky. I like love this work. I, I feel the same way, where it's like, my job is to talk to the cool people who are doing cool things. <laughs> exactly. I don't do any of it myself. <laughs> I get to talk to Carrie and be like, so tell me about this. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to bring us all together. Uh, we just recently spent about a week together over in Wallops, Virginia, for what is known as the laser training. And of course, it's NASA. We're going to have a tortured acronym, I'm sure, because um, I it, the laser, it's an S, not a Z in the middle. So it's not like pew pew. Um, so, Linda, why don't you tell like tell us a little bit, like, what is, for people who have no clue, what is laser? Yeah. What is that program? 
So laser is a um, it's it's leveraging agency supervision supervisory excellence and resilience. That's what the the acronym stands for. There's a I'm great. St- I'm impressed you came up with it off the top of your head. There, there is a great story about how the name came to be. If you want to hear that at some point, um, but basically it's a program focused on first line supervisors. Um, uh, to help uh, grow them uh, in being, you know, our mantra is that we think better human beings make better supervisors. And so um, it's a 14 month program, uh, five week long sessions. The first one was at Wallops um, with some coaching. And the target there is to um, not to train supervisors in the how to. Like you guys, we, we assume you know how to do yeah. your jobs. Um, it's more that how you apply the things that you need to do and how you execute as a leader. And um, that takes growth. So the only um, requirement that we kind of have at a very high level is that you need to grow. Okay. Throughout the year. So that's what we're after. Yeah, because I noticed even from the conversations that we had there, I was like, I think it's a, a minimum of at least two years of being a supervisor. Because it's like, you're not asking for the noobs or the people who are just getting their feet wet. It's like, you've done this for a while. So it's just a matter of like mm-hmm. how to hone that. Yeah. And so I'd say, Carrie, we, we both sat through this thing. We're, we're the Ames cohort. That's right. Um, so like, how did you hear about it? You know, what was your what were you thinking as it kind of stepped into this whole thing? Uh, well, about a year ago, I took the supervisory intensive program, which is a very condensed version, I guess you uh-huh. would say, of laser. And that kind of whetted my appetite. Um, I. I feel like supervision fits on me very well. Um, I really enjoy this kind of work, and so I want to be. I want to. I want to hone that skill. I want to be better. Well, it's it's a funny thing that I've kind of realized where, typically, and this is not just a NASA thing. This is for, I think, in any organization. You you have a job. You're making your widget. You're the you're really good at making your widget. You're the fastest, bestest, most excellent person at your widget making. And then they're like, you should be in charge of all the widget makers. And I don't know, like for you, I had this realization, I don't know for you, Carrie, if it was the same thing, where I was like, supervising the the widget makers is entirely different from actually just making it. You may have really good insight about it, but it's, all, it's a different skill set. It's very different, especially from engineering. I'm going from, you know, hard skills <laughs> to soft skills, uh, people skills. And, you know, being an engineer and coming from that world, it's, I feel like it's flexing totally different muscle. Um, so I, you know, I have mentors that I speak to yeah. in in supervision, but I wanted to go the next step. I wanted to go further with it, and that would be formal training. And I think that's one of the uh, mottos of Laser. Also, is supervision as a discipline. Yeah, and that's it's something that we're not formally trained in, and so this is, I think, our opportunity to kind of get that formal training. I, I don't know, and Linda, I don't know if you hear this a lot. Like I somewhat feel a little bit of like the imposter syndrome almost where it's like well now I'm in charge I got the job to be in charge of my widget makers therefore I must be qualified and I must know everything that there is and I think you hit this harsh reality there's a lot that you don't know Mm -hmm. there's different nuances and things about leading a team that if you approach it the same way as making your widget (laughs) then like I don't know it's it's not going to be as efficient so I don't know yeah I would say that so this is about four years ago um we sort of entered into this whole realm of supervision as a discipline, which hadn't been thought about. So especially in this agency, we've got people with lots of really cool disciplines, right? And engineering and science, um, and even project management, we treat we treat that like a discipline here. Mm-hmm. And we sort of scratched our heads and said, wait a second, supervision is really its own discipline and it takes something 
really different than what you're taught. And I think what I love about what we've been able to do is that we are treating that not only as a discipline, and we're bringing, you know, in my field of development, a lot of really cool expertise to that, but we're also relying on model supervisors and um, people who actually have been in this job for a while, and we bring them in to help teach. And I think it makes a huge difference in terms of what is possible. And I will say that when we were when we were first starting into this, we took this very appreciative and possibility-oriented view, and we said, you know, what if we could create a cadre of supervisors across this agency who were really good at what they do in this discipline mm-hmm. and excited about it and had passion about it? And you know, I'd say four years later, we're getting there. There's a lot of people talking about this discipline, and I think it's that's having massive impact on, you know, when we count the numbers, um, you know, we by, by when we hit supervisors at all levels, like we are, and, it, and even if we only hit 25 in this program, the number mm-hmm. of people that are getting impacted is crazy. It's really fun, and it's neat to see. I keep thinking of NASA as a, you know, always has an eye on efficiency, <laughs> whether that's a payload or, or an airplane wing. And the bottom line is like, you know, when you have a group of humans working together, if you're not, if you don't treat supervisory, like being a supervisor as its own skill set, its own like trade in of itself, then it's just like, you're not getting the most out of your people. And then you're just not being efficient. And so sometimes approaching, I guess, I don't know, Carrie, it's like probably approaching leading your team the same way an engineer is. I guess in some ways it could work, but in other ways it just may not. I think one of my, not fears, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that I try and monitors. I don't want to be a hindrance to the people. You talk totally. about efficiency and I I want to be there to help them get their job done and help them be the best that they can be. So, you know, obviously the better that I am at that, then the better they are at their jobs. Almost removing the barriers, removing the blocks, make sure that they have the funding they need, make sure right. they have the stuff, make sure, you know. I'm not trying to be a hindrance on them and, and <laughs> Um, get in their way or, you know, ask for unnecessary reviews or or meetings or anything like that. Um, I just want to be there to help move everything along efficiently. So maybe, Linda, talk a little bit about how did this all come together? You know, actually, I will say that for what, way back when, so a couple of things kind of, several things came together. Um, I have an intense passion for this stuff, as you guys know. Um, <laughs> I eat, I, I sleep it. I'm like a, I'm like our scientists who can't not do their work. I do this all the time. So I had had a vision for a while, and and we have other cohort programs, right? We have NASA First and other things that weren't targeted at supervisors. And I kept thinking we need to do something for supervisors. And then um, we had actually run a program here at Ames that was very like a, it was the it was the precursor to Laser. It was the um, something that we did as a cohort program here. And at the time, um, you know, the agency has a culture uh, strategy that they put together and. The last one we did, which was about three or four years ago, they had three kind of um, main um, target areas for changing the culture. One was to connect people to the mission a little bit more. Um, One was about um, communicating, I forget it was around communication. And the third one was about building model supervisors. So when that came in, we sort of said, let's go. And, um, And actually, to be really honest, at the time, I'm just a big believer that when you build, sort of if you build it, they will come. Yeah, nice. So without trying to sell, we need to have supervisors get better, just never gets any traction. 
So we built laser and we didn't, we didn't, like we said, let's just get laser going because that's going to focus attention on supervision as a discipline. And when we built it, we intentionally pulled in senior leaders to help us teach it, model supervisors. So we had all levels. And I will say that then prompted how SIP, the supervisor intensive, we now have a second level supervisor program. We are building out um, a first uh, virtual PHRSS. So the, the, what was, what's really kind of, I think kind of nifty about the laser story and the whole, how it got is that we built this program on a whim and sort of, we knew it would be good, but we sort of built it, we prototyped it, and we did some rapid prototyping. And it just got a whole bunch of people involved. And I think um, now, it's a, when we were doing the orientation for you guys, I was, I was so tickled because our senior leaders are using the language supervision as a discipline, you gotta be who you are, you gotta grow. So it's like without, without, build, without sort of selling it ahead of time, it just, everybody got into it, so it's super fun. Literally, the, the three of us, we, we spent the last week in Wallops. We're going to end up over at Armstrong so, you know, later on this year. You said it was a 14-month program. But, mm-hmm. so, Carrie, w- I, I guess, I mean, we spent the whole week together. We, we hung out. There was different modules. What stuck out to you? What, what kind of, like, you know, impressed you or surprised you, I guess, from the whole uh, thing? I would say by far the most rewarding part of that week was going through the stories yeah. um, and where everyone – Took turns standing up in front of the room and talking yeah. about who they are. Yeah, they, yeah, tell everybody a little bit what went all into that because this is not normal from the normal like, hey, tell two truths and a lie, or let's all go around the table saying, hi, my name is, and here's my title. So, right, yeah. it was much more personal and it was um, geared towards people's values mm-hmm. and how they viewed themselves and their personal experiences about how they came to be where they are. Um, so it got very deep and very personal very quickly, um, but it brought down walls, and we I felt like we connected immediately with all of, with 25 people in the span of a couple hours, uh, where you know I feel like I know you so well now, Matt. <laughs> um, and that was really powerful, um, and it really set the stage for the rest of the week, and. There was, like I said, this immediate connection with with everyone there. Um, so that was by far, for me, the biggest takeaway. Yeah, it's like we don't want to give away all of Linda's secrets on how the Please whole thing. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. It was one of those things where, like, you have 25 strangers sitting in the room, and then all of a sudden, like a couple hours later, people are bearing their souls, and I'm like, in. Predomin- I'm, I'm going to go out on a ledge here, like predominantly introverts, but standing in front of a group mm-hmm. telling their life stories. And it was, it was like, after all, even though I'd never had a conversation with someone, it really felt like I, like you've had a deep conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I know this person. I now. know them so well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, Linda, what's your kind of favorite takeaway on that stuff? Or? <laughs> <laughs> the favorite? I love it all. Um, well, I, I actually know what's coming in the program, so my favorites are still to come. Okay, let's <laughs> I'm, I'm not letting you guys read. in on that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not letting you guys in on that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just think, I'm curious from both of you, like, it's interesting to me that that, that is something that stands out to people. And I, I actually, like, it's, it's, very, um, it's very sweet to me because part of what we're also after is that I think people look at being a branch chief, maybe you guys feel like this too, but a supervisor, a first-line supervisor, and it's like, where's the how-to book? Mm-hmm. There's a way to do this and the way to do it right. And it's like people get very boxed in. And um, 
by having people tell their stories, like it gets very, it does get very personal. And our belief is that supervision, there's no, there's no one way to do this. And what's more important than actually knowing all the ins and outs of uh, HR 101 and the things you need to do, but is really understanding who you are and bringing the unique human being that you are to this job. Because then you can connect with people, then you can really make a difference. And so I just find that that storytelling for me is just, um, it's such a great starting point and it's so incredibly sweet. And I will tell you this last time, what was really special um, was just hearing Robert tell his story. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had you know, the highest level leader in this agency at the time and um, it's probably particularly sweet now, um, given mm-hmm. that he has now decided to retire, but, and all of the leaders did too. So I'm also really, for me what's striking is how there's something about getting in an environment like Laser and everybody comes forward. Like not just the people that are there who are supposed to be there and opening up, but everybody does. So. Well, in the story that that Robert Lightfoot told us about you know, his time of like you know testing rockets and then you know he was a supervisor for a while and then went back for one more rocket test it, like I can't spoil the whole thing that's Robert's story to tell but it just stuck with me of and, and for me because I could relate to it in the sense of when you're so busy like doing your job and then you're like yeah yeah, i'm moving up in my career things are working out i'm now in charge of it and then sometimes going back like for me to be going back to doing press releases and like doing you know doing like the, the typical comp stuff and i quickly realized i was like wow my team's a lot better at doing this than i am because typically i haven't done it for like five years it, it's like it, it just kind of like you just kind of realize that your role is different and your role has changed and now it's all about making their lives as easy as possible so they can be as good at doing it. Right, you're a supervisor now, you're not a, a worker. <laughs> I know, and it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. But one thing that took me aback, it precedes even the the, the get to know you, the, the storytelling part is, the travel to get to Wallops that nobody warned me about. <laughs> I'm relatively new to NASA, only for about like just over two years. But you know, for us in California, it's the flight all the way over to. I'm guessing we all flew into Norfolk, but then the two-hour drive over to Wallops over the ocean. And for me, at least, it was during a during high winds storm in a little like tiny compact government <laughs> rental car because I could feel the wind pushing me. But it, it was like, so we went all the way out there and it's pr- relatively secluded. You know, it's like out on the ocean, you know, as we do some rocket testing. But I'm sure there's some, there's a th- reasoning and a logic, Linda, <laughs> yeah. to why you guys choose to pull everybody there at the top. Yeah, so um, everybody at NASA needs to be initiated into the Wallops experience. This is sort of a thing. And and, and actually, um, this is a little bit about kind of even why we do this kind of stuff. Like, So going back probably 40 years in this agency, this is like leadership development is built into our DNA. Um, we used to take people to Wallops. You guys could have done this for two weeks. Okay. Um, two weeks straight. You'd live there and, and you know, in those wonderful dorms. And at that time, you shared a bathroom with someone. So let's not go there because that was like kind oh, of crazy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. For, awful. for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for that was so fun. Um, but there is something. And so it's not, you know, it's not the greatest place in the world to be. You know, it's a, it's a very secluded. But we find from like, so there's a little bit for us, like we intentionally chose that. We'll be at the centers for all the other ones. But there's a little bit of um, history and legacy and tradition associated with Wallops that as we think about shifting and changing this organization and becoming you know, more efficient and making re, re, you know, transforming ourselves and even our mission a bit, 
there's something really I think nice. It's like in the walls there. It's like yeah, this, you're standing on giants, right? Like that's what's. So we wanted to bring. That's why we're there. That's why we go there for sip. That's why we go there for for laser. It's to kind of make sure we're hanging on to the tradition. Um, and it is where we started doing all of our leadership development training way back in the day. And it's also there's something. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about it, Carrie. It was a like you can't escape each other. There is something right. about it was like like camp. You know, we're living in the same dorms. You're seeing each other. You can't just escape to go hang out with your spouse and go out to eat off campus because like you're going to be driving a while to find a place. So <laughs> yeah, the camp is a great analogy. It you're is. in there with everybody. You're doing everything together, and there is no other option. <laughs> it kind of jump starts those relationships too. It's like mm-hmm. so like even as we do calls and and Carrie and I have been on like different calls back and forth as we get prepared for to go to Armstrong you know in in Southern California it's just like it's like these are old friends people yeah. just like you know yeah it's only one week but we're already uh farther along in our relationships than we should be <laughs> <laughs> but not farther than you want to be right right <laughs> It's, not, it's how, not a bad thing. How many more sessions, Linda, to go? Four more to go. Four more? Yep. And then that's Armstrong. Then I think we go to Goddard, mm-hmm. then Marshall, and then back to headquarters, I yes, guess. Yes, I think that's right. My, yes. So, Linda, there's a funny story. And how was how LASER named? You know, we talked a little bit about the tortured acronym, but tortured. go for it. So, again, back when we were just starting this whole thing, we were at um, a session at the Bolger Center, five or six of us, and um, we were just starting to think about how to do a program. And I wanted to design a laser, the, the laser program, a 14-month mm-hmm. cohort program. I didn't know how long and all the details. And as soon as you start talking supervision, oh, my gosh, all kinds of trails you can go down. we got to select them right. we got to get the right people. we got to get competencies, yeah. all this stuff. And throughout that week, I kept saying, look, I am laser focused (laughs) on building a program. And somebody said, let's name it laser. So the funny part of that story, so we sort of had decided we're going to name it laser. And then we came up with the acronym because that's how we did it at NASA. But during (laughs) that week, kid you not, um, huge thunderstorm rolls through. And right outside of our building, a lightning bolt struck a tree, knocked it off, power went out. And we're like, yeah, definitely this program's laser. (laughs) That's so funny. That's the story. Looking forward to the next couple sessions. We'll we'll be hanging out and doing that. Um, I'm guessing because like some of my fondest memories, I think probably throughout the whole thing was just just hanging out in the in the lodge, you know, with Linda's commentary around the the Winter Olympics, (laughs) and then hanging out playing euchre. So, (laughs) yes, it's fun. So, um, for folks who are listening, if you have any questions or comments for us, we are at NASA Ames on social. Uh, we're using the hashtag NASA Silicon Valley. So, if you have any questions for Carrie, for Linda, you can send them our way. We'll loop everybody back in and we'll talk a little bit more. Um, just as a quick plug, we are a NASA podcast, but we are not the only NASA podcast. Don't forget to check out our friends who do Houston We Have a Podcast. There's also Gravity Assist. There's This Week at NASA. You can hear all of that. There's one big podcast app call or podcast feed called NASA casts that combines all of the stuff into one thing. Um, you can also catch us on the NASA app and on NASA.gov. This has been super fun. Thanks for coming on over guys. Thank, Thank you, you, Matt. You.